and welcome to Therapy Etc. Podcast, a bi-monthly conversation where we will be discussing everyday life experiences that create an impact. And when you think about it, in one way or another, everything creates an impact. And therefore, all of these things also encompass mental health. I'm your host, Patricia Alvarado, a licensed mental health therapist and first-generation Latina from Los Angeles, California. To find more information, please visit my website, alvaradotherapy.org. And while I hope you love listening and learning from the podcast, it's not meant to be a substitute for mental health services. Okay, let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Therapy, etc. I have a very special guest here today. Uh, we were just talking about how we just met on the internet. So um, <laughs> I will let you uh, introduce yourself. Hi, my name's Adonica Shaw. I am the founder of a company called Wing Women. Um, it's actually a health-focused social media platform for professional women. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very passionate about women's health. Just, I mean, honestly, that's everything from mental and emotional health to practical mm-hmm. information around reproductive health and mm-hmm. um, what does it look like to be a mom or a professional woman and kind of balance those things while you're in a position of leadership. So... Um, that's kind of just where my passion lies and you guys can find out more about me either there or on my website. Yeah. And I'll definitely link some of those, uh, those pieces at the end. Um, but we, like I said, we met on the internet and actually this is the first time we actually speak. Um, (laughs) but, uh, um, and it was because of, you had this article on medium regarding PTSD. Mm-hmm. So where did that inspiration come from to even start writing on medium or, um, even like the topic, which being yeah. Ju- we are recording in June, it's a uh, mental health or uh, PTSD awareness month, um, huge mm-hmm. topic, but a lot of taboo around it and mental yeah. health in general, right? You know, it's interesting. Um, and this touches a little bit of why Wing Woman was started and how I ended up starting to write on Medium. Um, I have a very varied background. I actually started as a weather lady. And when I came off of, yeah, when I came off of TV, I pivoted into PR, marketing, um, a lot of public speaking because it was still very similar to being on television. You know, Uh when you're used to being able to talk to the public and create stories and narratives. And I mean, you have to figure this is more than 10 years ago. So social media really wasn't being leveraged by anybody business-wise at the time, unless, of course, Mm -hmm. you worked for a major news organization. So I had all of these skills, right? And I found myself um, pivoting from TV to marketing PR. I'd given several TED Talks, run for office. I'd been involved with several nonprofits in a leadership capacity. And I kept running into women who were just like me, like the ceiling breaker, like you're the only woman in the boardroom or in a certain arena or in a certain opportunity. And then you run into each other and it's like, you've got like, what is it? Two, three minutes to find out this woman's life story. And what is she up to? Because it's just rare. I think at a certain point um, in certain uh, industry types and career fields to find other women that you can Mm -hmm. just speak freely. And I started to run into women who were, you know, more, more like me than not. Like I'd privately been trying to figure out like, Oh my God, is this much anxiety normal? <laughs> Cause I would have I like, know, right? I'd have anxiety from doing yeah. all of these great things, but just trying to like 
I hate to say mask it because once you're the woman who gets selected to do them, like you don't want to do anything to lose that opportunities. And so I started to run for it. Yeah. I started to run into the women who had been facing a number of different health concerns and issues privately, but because of who they were, I mean, you can't just go around telling people, Hey, I need support. I need advice. You don't want Mm -hmm. that in your Google search history. And Uh, quite frankly, You know, um, I'd say until more recently, there hasn't been this real conscious movement by mentors to also touch on the self-care, mental health, overall wellness piece as it relates to being a professional woman is kind of like, we want you to shatter glass dealings. We're going to make it happen. But sometimes that health component really gets left out of the conversation. And so mm-hmm. in an effort to build my platform, I was going around and honestly just um, tapping people and tagging folks on Instagram and social media, like, Hey, you know, this is a great place. I recognize you are first, you know, in your industry here. If you ever have health concerns or want to just chat and get advice or give health advice, come to wing women. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I started to realize like, there has to be another way that I can show people why this is valuable as opposed mm-hmm. to just trying to advertise a platform. And so that's when I started to write out Um, multiple articles around what most would consider to be taboo topics because the information is needed. But again, just based on my life experience, uh, the women may not know where else to get it. And so that, and it just Mm -hmm. may not be readily available. So I was like, Mm -hmm. all right, well, I'm going to start writing about things that everybody wants to hear about. Nobody wants to talk about and see what happens. Common theme in our um, communities, definitely. Yeah. And so it's just taken off. Like, mm-hmm. like seriously, it, it took off very quickly. And in terms of the reshares and the, um, even with the PTSD article, I, cause I was like, nobody's going to read this, you know, or not nobody. How many, how many people? Cause I've well, I didn't, so many. It wasn't so much that no, it was nobody, but it was kind of like, is this too taboo? Do people really understand that women are more susceptible to having PTSD symptoms? Like, Mm-hmm. Do they get this? And then um, the article, obviously, that you were featured in, like it picked up and got shared and spread very quickly. And so I was like, oh, so my suspicions were correct. <laughs> yeah. And I bet you there's that about so many other topics. You know, I think even like having something like that on your phone where you can privately read it mm-hmm. um, without, you know, anybody knowing what you're doing. And unfortunately, um, there's many people that approach these kind of bigger topics like PTSD, trauma, uh, from a very like uh, isolating place. Like nobody, nobody should know that I went through this. Um, yeah. Nobody can, nobody understands my experience. But then in reading stuff like this, they notice that there's so many, so many of us. Yeah. Stuff like that. And it's interesting because, you know, you hear all of these uh movement to like destigmatize things like destigmatize PTSD, destigmatize mental health. And I'm like, I think you can do that without actually putting that in the headline of the article. Know, right? Because <laughs> to your point, you know, if a woman is sitting there and I'll just, you know, I have my, my cell phone here and she's got her phone, it needs to be destigmatized in the sense that it's in a mainstream platform. It's with names that she recognizes and it's written in a way where the medical information or the health information is there, but it's not too jargon heavy so that she can very easily identify or see where she might, you know, be experiencing or having um, a similar life experience, whomever articles about. Right. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, I, I think it's just that like destigmatizing, it's just normalizing it in that make it just like everything else and share it mm-hmm. just like everything else. And hopefully the right women find it and are, you know, my responsibility is just to make sure that it's there. Yeah. And I'm, I'm yeah. happy that people have, have liked that. Right. Right. Absolutely. I also, you know, as you're saying about destigmatizing, um, I wonder about this because I think it's like a, everybody wants to be in the, we are destigmatizing mental health, but I'm like, what are you really doing? Because <laughs> you're throwing you know, the word stigma in there. And I think that that's yeah, touchy, you know? Yeah, as it is. And, you know, I, I work with several people um, who are nervous to ask for a mental health day or to say, hey, I need to go to my therapist appointment. And, you know, different industries are very, um, really embrace this or they're like, very like, uh, I don't need to know about your personal life. Um, But I do think that in 2020, I think there was this like magnifying glass on like mental health and the destigmatizing, but also what are the steps that you're taking to support people, women, um, versus just using the word because it's like cool, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I think everybody last year, well, I don't want to say everybody. I would just say pandemic definitely revealed a lot like about the stage of mental health and how destigmatized it actually was at that point. Like I remember at the very beginning of pandemic, people were just like day drinking all day long. And you know, remember that part and baking everything they could find on Pinterest. But by month five, the tone of those different posts changed dramatically. And then mm-hmm. even just like on my part, here. yeah, pulling those reports towards, you know, no October, November and seeing the true impact of um, the increase of visits to a doctor or mental health professional by women who obviously mm-hmm. participated in these surveys mm-hmm. um, revealed that such a significant spike, I think as high as 83%. And one of the reports that I read, like all that didn't just happen because of the pandemic. You know what I mean? I think it highlights the fact that it was there before and the pandemic revealed what the true number is because people were finally in a position where they wanted to talk. And Mm -hmm. some of that stigma of needing to tell a boss or a friend, like I need a mental health day or whatever, like Mm -hmm. went out the window. They're like, Hey, I'm I'm about to you're, save you're myself. Lucky. Yeah, you're lucky. You're lucky I'm here. You're yeah, I'm like I'm about to save myself. <laughs> I don't, you know, like you can care. I don't care what you think about me, but um, yeah, I'm about to take this mental health day, right? Like uh, people just got more bold about protecting their bodies. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that's really what happened last year, and you know, quite frankly, what I think we'll continue to see moving forward. I really hope so because I do, you know, I have had a few friends, even you know, people that I work with that have started going back into the office, um, not by their choice. So I wish there was more flexibility, but also I think it depends on the industry too. Some industries are like, yes, you work from home, come in whenever you feel like it. Others yeah. are like, we need you here now. Yeah. Um, so I think it depends on the industry, but I really do hope that people do still, um, uh, like pay attention to what their body's saying. You know, I feel like our bodies give us all the answers when we're feeling that, um, like feeling like sucker punched, you know, or when we're feeling oh, yeah. like, like uh, some tension, like even like the little cold sweat, like <laughs> these are all indicators, like pay attention to me. Something is not okay. Mm-hmm. And I hope I that that so happens too. more. You know, I think um, 
and it's, it's a mix of things, right? It's, I don't think it's any one thing, but whether it's about mental health, overall wellness, um, and even just seeing the varied opinions that I read on social media around, do you get the vaccine? Do you not get the vaccine? Which vaccine should you get? What is the long-term impact of the vaccinations, whether, you know, it's Pfizer, Moderna, or, um, Johnson and Johnson, you know, I think the bigger thing that is going to come out of this is kind of like a body autonomy movement. Like people are going to start paying attention to their bodies. And I think that they're going to start to protect whatever their true belief is around how they're supposed to care for themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, What is that book? I think it's called the body keeps score. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas before we would have been very dismissive of sweating or, a migraine that pops up when you're in certain environments. <laughs> yeah, it's like it, it is what it is. This is how I am, right? Yeah, like, and then I think I now people are going to start paying attention like, huh, I get this same migraine whenever I walk into this office and I have these stressors mm-hmm. and, you know, I've eaten this for breakfast that morning. Like, I think people are going to start to listen to mm-hmm. what their body is telling them and then start to look for ways to ease whatever their stress levels are um, and just take better care of themselves by, like yeah. I said, just listening to the rhythm of their body and um, what mm-hmm. it does and does not want. <laughs> yes, especially what it does not want and mm-hmm. embracing that. Like, you know, I, I share a lot about like trusting your gut instinct. Like, again, you have the answers and it's about finding it, you know, like sometimes we have to maneuver around a little to find that answer, but usually like the answers are within you, you know, the answers, you have the tools. It's just about bringing it up to the surface and remembering to use it. It's so funny you say that because, um, so I have a four-year-old, right? And Mm -hmm. this, he's four now, but um, he's my youngest of the three. And what's really interesting when I watch him is like children, really lean into their intuition. They're just, I mean, I'm not saying it's always right. <laughs> you know, he'll just like, run I want that chocolate bar. <laughs> toss his caution to the wind. Or um, if he intuitively knows that whatever I'm asking him to do or somebody else is telling him to do doesn't lead to his desired outcome, like he does the opposite, right? And so mm-hmm. those behaviors that arise in children, like they're learning to test limits. And of course we would assign different terms to it. But I do think, um, when we become adults, listening to that inner gut feeling around like what to eat, what not to eat, what behaviors are positive versus others that are basically self-sabotaging. And we are just like unconsciously just like on a loop, like, I kind of feel like I should stop doing that, but I've always done it this way and just keep on going. (laughs) I'm just keep doing it. You know what I mean? Whereas I think, you know, like I said before, we get into these locked in behaviors and um, locked in patterns. Mm -hmm. We just, we don't pay attention to that little gut feeling that might be encouraging us to maybe live life a little differently. So intuition is very important. Yeah. It's like a, that's, that's like a lesson to take with us into adulthood of being okay with being like a little silly or just noticing and taking risks. Yeah. Again, I do have to acknowledge, like, I think like when we're adults, then we start paying attention to anxiety and is this what I've been living with? And that's what stops us to be those yeah. risk takers that maybe we were when we were younger. Well, I know if, for the example, for, in terms of my own personal experience with the anxiety, like, um, 
before I would be like, oh, I just, I knew I had this anxious feeling when I was around certain people or in certain environments and stuff like that. And I just never thought it was more than that. But, you know, with anxiety as with stress and many other things, you know, if you keep doing that to your body, like, um, the problem can become progressively worse. And so no longer is it just anxiety, then it turns in, or it can manifest into anxiety attacks or unwanted um, things that happen psychologically, emotionally, physically within your person, like, you know, you get goosebumps. Paralyzing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, if you don't Mm -hmm. listen to that, and um, oftentimes the body has little mechanisms that kick in and trigger our brain, like, in, 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 you know, like kind of telling us like, Hey, listen to me. <laughs> like you're not going to do something. You, you might that you're not want to keep doing that. You know, like, <laughs> I know, right? Hey, that person may not be healthy for you. Hey, don't eat that much red meat. You know what I mean? Like these little things and you just write it off. And, um, yeah, as an adult, you just become far more aware, like, Oh my God, I'm this, this gives me anxiety. You know what I mean? And then you start mm-hmm. to kind of unpack, well, why, but um, where that comes from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. So it's good. So I'm hearing, you know, all of these things that, you know, we're talking about, but I kind of want to go back a little bit to even like uh, being like the only woman in the room, like you said, like the only, the only woman like um, on the board of things or whatnot. What, um, like what pushed you to still keep going? Because I will say like for myself, sometimes these kind of spaces make me nervous. It's, uh, it's, anxiety. it's, it, you know, you feel like that. I, I always, I always picture it as like this, like kind of like something that's building in my stomach and it's kind of like rising into my chest yeah. and it kind of like takes over. Right. I'm like, well, I have to do it and I don't want to, but here I am. <laughs> um, I think for me personally, like, um, yeah, I guess actually it's still the same you know, I stopped looking at things as like, oh, well, if I do it, I'm going to be the only this, I'm going to be the only woman, I'm going to be the only black woman, I'm going to be the only millennial, you know, Mm -hmm. I had to kind of remove that lens because those factors aside, something in my gut, something in my heart, something in my spirit is just like, I belong there. You know, Mm -hmm. I think um, naturally when we're all born and whether or not you're religious, you know, I do believe that people have a destiny and they very much have a a lifetime to achieve certain things and certain things have your name written on them. And so Mm -hmm. because I am to believe that the other factors, me, my race, gender, um, economic status, family type, all of that were all considered when the information or the nudge came to me, like, Oh girl, you should probably be on that board or "Hmm, maybe you should go write that book or "Hmm, you should go get on that stage. Mm -hmm. You know, those, uh, those moments that come to push you and tell you like, this is actually a stop on your destiny, you know, on your, on your journey of life. Um, and it was factored in, you know, when you were born, I allowed Mm -hmm. that to be more of a guiding light for me and and less to do um, with some of the other factors. Although I will say, um, it did in some cases create a really unique, life experience because getting to the table and acknowledging the call is one thing, but staying in the room when you're the only woman at the table, this is true. That, that is a different skill set. You know? yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, um, 
it is, it's been something that I've, again, taken a lot of life experience from and rolled into my company mm -hmm. and to what I'm doing now, but it's certainly not something that I think that should keep me from the table. But mm -hmm. now I'm just way more mindful about my game plan as I'm walking down the hall to said table. <laughs> yeah. Before I'm I like, take I'm my seat, like, okay, so I'm going to get to the table. Well, first I'm, I'm going to get to the room. I'm going to tell them why I belong there. They're going to eventually relent and give me a seat. And then I'm going to sit there and they're probably not all going to agree with me, but when they don't agree with me, like, what's my plan? You know, and honestly that's self-care, but um yeah, I, I've just really allowed the things that I know that I'm called to do to be my governing factor with whatever I pursue. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Has there been moments where people have said, um, no, you don't belong here or yes. not a space <laughs> for you? Absolutely, you know, and I think in some cases um, that is, it could be very, very factual information. Um, mm -hmm. I know that there's like tons of quotes that have gone viral about like, and they told me no, and I did it anyway. And <laughs> while I, while Feel like I I'm love, watching them, yes. <laughs> well, I love that. I think sometimes um, what's lost when people tell us that an opportunity or something may not be for us is some of the fine print, which is fear on behalf of that person. And sometimes that's what it is. It's also mm -hmm. like this environment isn't structured for you and something that could be really stressful, more difficult, traumatic, even could result if you enter into this space that is not yet set up for you, nothing mm -hmm. personal, just what you stand to lose is less than what you stand to gain. If you barrel your way to the table and take a seat, mm -hmm. um, but then there's the other part, and I think it's something that I've had to navigate, honestly, as a woman, and will continue to, um, and that's whether or not I had the skill set in some cases to realistically get to whatever the opportunity was and to stay in it. And I think that's been the harder part to navigate because nobody wants to admit where they have shortcomings, despite yeah, looking being back on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, despite being ambitious and tenacious mm -hmm. and I'm going to rule the world, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes it's not a matter of if, but when. And so that mm -hmm. last factor in terms of um, maturity and timing, you know, I think also really plays into that, but um, I'm smarter now, you know, I'm not mm -hmm. going to just barrel into certain things that I would have done like 10 years ago, <laughs> but it doesn't mean yeah. I'm still not going to pursue it, you know, just maybe not at that time. As you're saying this, and I appreciate you sharing what you just shared, because as you're saying this, I'm kind of reflecting back on an experience that kind of came to mind. And so I was living in New York City for uh, three years and moved back to um, LA area to California in December of 2019. And during the time in like my last year in New York, I was like, I'm done with New York. I love it. But also I got to go back to LA. I'm ready. I was so ready. And so I started looking for new opportunities. Um, I decided that I didn't actually, the work that I was doing, it was kind of like a bit mundane. I kind of felt like, I'm like, I'm not learning much here. I need to do more. I need to expand, you know? And so, um, and then on the other end, they're also like, you, you have to be in New York state to be able to work for the company. So I'm like, mm. I think this is just meant to be, I got to go. Right. So yeah. Perfect. And so I started interviewing for different places and I had this interview with this company. It was like a startup doing mental health, um, kind of more like case management stuff. And 
went pretty far along in the process. And I was like, oh, I got this. This is going to be perfect. I'm going to be able to uh, live in LA and it's going to be great, you know? Yeah. And then, uh, and then when the rejection came, <clears throat> it was, um, they said something like that uh, my skills didn't align and something like, uh, like it was, it was something like um, it, and as I think about it now, it was like, you're not good enough for this role or yeah. your skills, you know, ultimately it, for me, I read it as you're not good enough. Mm-hmm. And I remember being so sad about like, is yeah. it that I'm a woman of color? Is it that um, I I am not this enough or that enough or, you know, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it totally questioned, made me question like my, you know, nine plus years at the time of experience in the mental health field. Mm -hmm. And so then um, I actually ended up coming back to LA and and expanding my private practice. I was just doing it uh, part-time at the time. Now I have a group practice with five people that I work in, Mm -hmm. work with me. And that company reached out to me like maybe like two months ago. Oh my gosh, are you serious? (laughs) I am serious. Wow. like, yeah, they reached out to me and they're like, oh, like, you know, we see you're doing great things learn more, like more about us, blah, blah. And I actually replied because it was the um, co-owner, co-founder of the company that emailed me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, do you remember that we actually already talked about this? I think he forgot. I don't know how it happened. And then he's yeah. like, oh my God, I do remember you. And I see your practice and you're doing so well. And you should really consider, you know, this and that. And I'm like, no, like yeah. it kind of felt good to say no, but also I do wonder, like, maybe I didn't have the skill sets that they needed. And it wasn't that I'm not good enough, but maybe at the time, the leadership that they needed, you know, kind of like what you're saying about uh, recognizing your shortcomings. Yeah. It's, I think it's, short, it's shortcomings, but it's also a little bit of two is environment. And with startups, they have different phases. And so the people that they have on their team, when they're pre-seed phase versus seed versus a growth phase, those could all be very different people. You know, mm-hmm. in the same way they may swap teams, they may swap swap advisors. And so I would say in that kind of a, you know, situation, it could be any number of things, but I'd also say startups and tech, like they're really, really unique environments. And to your point, like it could just be a matter of timing. And so mm-hmm. um, I, I tell you, it's like sometimes as a black woman, you know, that does cross my mind, like just because I'm black. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, Honestly, I was like, everybody looks white. Is it? Yeah, I'm like, I'm I, I can see that, but I feel like maturity has taught me that, um, you know, there could be, you know, biases around uh, race and whatnot that take place. But I also have just leaned more into giving people the benefit of the doubt. Like there could be something about that working environment or that team or whatever their immediate goals are that either I'm not the right fit they can't afford my skill set, or it's a yes, but not right now. Mm-hmm. Um, or mm-hmm. life, God, universe, or whatever has me on a different path. And this person is just on that path to say, hey, go this way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so it, in your case, it sounds like you ended up probably out any better because <laughs> think Honestly, about it. Yes, you know, I agree. <laughs> if they circled back around, whoever they hired may not have worked out. Mm-hmm. And what if you were that guinea pig, you'd be yeah. out of a job right now and you wouldn't have your practice. And so, yeah. um, I, I start to, I've started to just acknowledge these little 
synchronicities in life where I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe, you know, this didn't work out or that. And then later seeing like, oh, I actually got actually did work out. I got something way better, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And you know, yeah. And I'm very big on that. Like I'm very big on like coincidences do not happen. I think that everything is planned and meant to be. And it's, it really helps me cope with things. Like, like if something happens, like doesn't, something doesn't work out, like, well, you know what? It wasn't meant to be, it wasn't meant to work out because something yeah. else is coming and usually something else does, which is yeah, I, really great. I've started to do that too, because before I like, I would lose days, weeks, months being like stuck on, like, I don't understand and like looking for answers. But then when you, when your energy is caught up in trying to like pull it apart, you know what I mean? Like you can't move forward. Um mm-hmm. I think my mantra now is like, you can get even or you can get ahead. So Ah, getting even in terms of trying to figure out the whys when I can use that same energy into Mm -hmm. what you did, go and build Mm -hmm. an entire practice with five other souls that are in alignment with what you're trying to do, have shared Mm -hmm. um, belief systems, like-minded. That sounds Mm -hmm. like a much healthier plan, one that's far more stable because you have your own company um, and one that obviously sets you up for having a legacy and long-term professional success without mm-hmm. somebody else needing to hire you. So mm-hmm. you still mm-hmm. won, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I love yeah. that you said legacy. Um, so I have a, an Instagram for the podcast and uh, today I put up a post, usually like uh, on certain Fridays, I'll put like a picture and just like a, something, whatever's coming to me, whatever I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. And, um, and today I asked a question. I was like, what is your why? Mm-hmm. And um and I actually put on there, I was like, for me, it's being able to have like a legacy and it goes beyond just like legacy, but also generational wealth and, yeah. and, um, See, same, <laughs> you know what I this mean? This was like, meant to happen. <laughs> right. I'm serious because like, you know, and entrepreneurship and homeownership, which feels so, um, unrealistic, but I see it and it's attainable and, you know, like, so, um, just thinking about legacy, like this is part of my why, like being able to, to show like my nieces and nephews, but not only family, other people in the world that like, there's so many opportunities and so many options, even when it may feel that there is none. Yeah. And honestly, you know, I mean, same to what you're saying, like for me, um, like I didn't really, I didn't grow up with a bunch of family members that own property there were no active mm-hmm. conversations around what is our family legacy? I feel like whenever you see those TV shows where it's like, you know, an upper class family and they're like, they've got a family crest and all of this stuff. Like we've got to protect oh my our God, legacy. <laughs> you know, it's like you have this clear thing in your head where, okay, well, if I didn't grow up with that, then clearly having a legacy doesn't actually apply to me. Mm-hmm. But then you get older. And I think for me, um, I see that more in alignment with like entrepreneurship because the world opens up and all of a sudden legacy and generational wealth and opportunity doesn't have to look a certain way. You figure out that you can actually create it, make it for yourself, yep. which I find to be far more validating and um, yep. exciting anyway. It's like, oh, if I can do this and if I have total agency in myself, then I already know I'm going to win. So there's yep. a certain level of confidence like, oh, well, I make stuff happen all day anyway. So yeah. Guess I'm gonna have a legacy too. <laughs> Let's make our crest. We gotta make our own crest. Yeah, I'm like, you know, they thought that crests were just for them, you know, and you know, I'm on Etsy. Like, I'm pretty sure they didn't go on Etsy to have a crest made, but I mean, 
everybody okay, starts we, somewhere, right? We can. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that, you know, that you are so mindful about what that looks like for your nieces and nephews and um, for people that you know. And mm-hmm. honestly, I mean, I have found so much just by being in alignment and knowing what my why is and just being straight up with people. Mm-hmm. I've started to attract way more people into my my personal and professional sphere that weren't there before. Mm-hmm. And I have random people like reaching out, like, thank you for doing this. This is inspiring. Yeah. You know, and then that legacy brings everybody or your decision to have a legacy and to own up to your why brings in so many other souls and hearts too. So mm-hmm. it's just a really mm-hmm. good feeling, you know. I agree. I agree. And I love just what you said, like this was like even our conversation today and connecting over over social media. I think it was meant to be because having this conversation, bringing it to light, I think like is so beautiful. So I really yeah. appreciate that and appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah, I know. I'm like, <laughs> you know, just on my part, I'm like, hmm, I'm going to write a, you know, an article about, you know, what professional women should know about PTSD. And I was very intentional about that because if you just put women people don't think it will apply to them. So I'm like, this is for you professional ladies, you know, made it extra special, but then to reach out and to find somebody that's an expert in the field and Mm -hmm. can speak to it in a way that just as the author of the piece, Mm -hmm. yes, I can drive a point home, but having an expert and having somebody else um, second, you know, the information that's Mm -hmm. in the article provide an additional layer of understanding to women, I think is so powerful, right? Because Mm -hmm. in the social media exchange that we had on Instagram and then later via email, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a ripple effect. There's women that are going to read that even if privately on their phone and perhaps either seek help or understand more deeply what they could be experiencing or just feel seen, acknowledged, worthy. So, you know, thank you for that because we we kind of co-created that opportunity or that experience for anybody who read it and who really, really um, found resonance with its words and its content. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So you mentioned self-care earlier. So what are some of your self-care tips or routines that that help you? You said you have a mom of three. So what what kind of self-care helps you? Well, to be honest with you, like Mm -hmm. my Mm self-care ranges depending upon my stress level. I'm far more intentional now. So as before, I'd be like, I'm just going to do yoga or I'm just going to journal. Like I'll do those things depending upon if my stress level is on the lower side, because if it's on the lower side, yeah, just going to a yoga class, totally enough to knock it out. But for example, having a startup when I'm out actively talking to investors or actively pitching, obviously with a higher stress level, that's not always enough. Um, So for me, it it ranges from everything between yoga, meditation, prayer, going to 24-hour fitness, to um, eating cleaner, like completely pulling alcohol, caffeine, Mm -hmm. red meat, anything um, from my diet at times that's going to make me feel more jittery or exacerbate my anxiety levels and alcohol and caffeine. And honestly, for me, at least red meat tend to trigger that. Um, So that's a level of self-care. And then in other times, um, particularly with having series of intense conversations as it relates to fundraising for a a startup and, you know, startups are 
still very heavily male dominated field. Uh-huh. Um, You're stepping you know, in there. Yeah. Yeah. But working with a counselor or a therapist. And so that way, instead of me sitting around at night stewing and, you know, just being a ball of stress, it's like having somebody to go to mm-hmm. telling them what happened and then having somebody else in, I don't want to say to bounce ideas off of, but to share what happened, allow them to digest it, show me the room from a different vantage point and give me learning pieces. And so instead of me losing sight of my own balance and equilibrium by being stressed out and being angry and feeling like I'm not good enough and staying in those emotions, shifting out of it very quickly. And so, you know, regularly being able to say, Hey, you know what, this is heavy. Let Mm -hmm. me get on the phone with my therapist or let me go to a group counseling session with other like-minded individuals. That Mm -hmm. is definitely a level of self-care that has helped keep me far more grounded. Mm -hmm. Um, And just, just doing it regularly, you know, you end up running to other people who are doing it the same and are doing it in the same way. Uh, And that in and of itself, I think also kind of makes it feel super normal. Like, yeah, well, we're all in high stress fields. This is completely normal because dealing with this much stress isn't typical for more, for most people. Right. Right. Yeah, no, I I definitely agree with you. And just being able to bounce ideas and like learn a little bit, you know, like uh, not only with a therapist, but even with other people that, like you said, like like like-minded people, Um, Mm -hmm. because I think that's really, really important. Like sometimes I, I find myself like spiraling on little things and then I'll talk it out with like somebody, like one of my best friends, for example, who it's weird, but all a lot of therapists, at least all of my friends are all therapists. <laughs> so, okay. you know, so I'll like share like, okay, this happened or that happened. What do you think? And then they'll like repeat it back to me. And I'm like, oh yeah, wait, I, I knew yeah. I was, I knew I was on the right track. Yeah. Like, but it, it's so out. helpful. Right. And then when you can shift out of that little spiral moment, and I know exactly what you mean. Cause I will overthink the death out of things like it will just be a general social interaction and then I'll be like two hours later while I'm like cooking like wait a minute was I too short with her or was she too short with me what was I doing when we were talking did I you know come across a certain way and then like I will be like you get what I meant you know and then I'm like do I write an email do I follow up and apologize and um, like I found myself in those little spirals and then I will like create some action without talking to anybody like oh I know what I'll do I'll just fix it I'll call and apologize and halfway through the apology she's like and this is just a, an imaginary she like what are you apologizing for and so uh-huh that's happened to me yeah <laughs> I actually <laughs> called a friend and I was like I'm sorry that I said that yeah like, and then what it's are you like talking about no they they did not experience that moment nearly as bad as it appeared in your head and so yeah um yeah just having somebody to do it. Um, Not all of my friends are therapists, you know, I have (laughs) friends from all backgrounds, but um, somebody outside of myself um, and somebody I think who would be more qualified. Like I don't, I, as I've ascended in my career, I've gotten away from telling like close, close, close friends things. Cause not that they're not interested, but they just may not be equipped to help me see things effectively if they're not professionally trained. 
um, for example, or have had similar work experiences to pull from. So, yeah, definitely like certain friends, I think like uh, help in certain areas. So I've definitely learned that also throughout the years. And of course, you know, my own therapy, like that's always extremely helpful. Yeah. It's so funny. Like, uh, before I started to go to therapy, I was like, "Ah, like, what is this going to look like? My ancestors are going to be rolling in the graves. You know what I mean? (laughs) I was listening to, uh, you know, I won't reveal who it was, but, um, just somebody close to me and they were just like, you know, black people got through slavery without therapy. And I'm just like, that is troubling that you would say that. But Mm -hmm. then if that's the bar that because you come from a cultural group that has already been otherwise otherized, excuse me, and has had already experienced massive levels of trauma and traumatic life experiences, Mm -hmm. and they did it without the use of therapy, like that doesn't mean we should still keep using that method like there are other ways to deal with it and just because people manage these large exorbitant amount of stress and and difficulty doesn't mean that that was right for them and it doesn't mean that they deserved it and also Uh, what did manage even look like because that's where the generational trauma is created because these, these situations that there was lack of resources no resources no opportunities Exactly. So this is just how we are. Even looking at it to that critical point, like, was it done that way because they wanted to do it that way or because my aunt or my mom or my cousin or my friend, like, is the advice they're giving to me because Mm -hmm. they had all available resources at their disposal? Probably Mm not. I Um, agree. You know what I mean? But the beauty about growth in my own life experience is that I do have certain resources at my disposal, whereas perhaps other family members, other people that I know didn't. Mm -hmm. So given that that level of privilege is there for me, I should 100% lean into them. Um, And like what I was going to say earlier is like, as I started to go and really lean on these, I started to talk to other girlfriends and then I would find out that people that I'd never even suspected in my friend circle were all going to therapy too for very similar things. Mm -hmm. Like to have somebody else help you unpack something that either you don't have the skill set to see from a different vantage point, Mm -hmm. um, give you some different strategies on how to manage it Mm -hmm. that won't hurt your name, your career, yourself, your own health. Right. Right. <laughs> Long-term, right. You know, they give you some other ways to approach situations um, instead of like just trying to figure it out for yourself. Or like I mentioned earlier, going to people who are not skilled um, mm-hmm. or equipped to tell you what to do and how to manage those situations. So, mm-hmm. so many different things. I mean, all makes perfect sense. And, and I share this a lot with a few, with people that even me being a therapist, my family's like, that's great. Good for you, but not for me. <laughs> yeah. Not for me. And I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and then, but then they'll call me like, oh, what do you think I should do in this situation and that situation? But still, yeah. it ain't for me though. So it's, it's, it's just tough to break through. It's tough to break through. I think it's tough or there's a unique toughness if you're a person of color, because there's so many different um, built-in beliefs around what Mm -hmm. therapy looks like. And then just social Mm -hmm. beliefs, you know, black community is like, you don't go putting your business in the street. You know what I mean? Like you don't go sharing family information and Mm -hmm. 
Family secrets is a big one. You know what I mean? Yep, and so I could mm-hmm. understand why, yeah, of course we don't want to share the family secret, you know, but <laughs> honor the crest. Yes. But, <laughs> but then you have to figure out where, um, that strategy really gives you any benefit in terms of how mm-hmm. you're able to process things and how you're able to move through them. And if you find that by holding on to those beliefs that are shared by other family members of not sharing, if you think that that's going to lead to your own health, go for it. I think in my case though, I'm like, I'm seeing patterns in the way we've always dealt with things. I'm seeing them arise in my own behavior. Mm-hmm. I can see a little yeah. bit about why it's happening and I don't want to do this. So I'm going to go get some other strategies from a therapist, you know, and yeah, I don't think that that has anything to do with putting business out there as much as it's recognizing that there's some patterns or things that are happening and you see how they result and right. you don't want that to happen to you either. And, you right. know, I see it as being um, more self-loving and self-protecting. And I know that that makes people feel weird that like, you wouldn't put others before yourself, but I mean, you need to be able to put your own oxygen mask before you can save yourself or before you can save other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. Well, I have enjoyed this conversation so, so much. Where can people find you to learn more about you, to read about your articles? Yeah. So learn about your company. Um, I'm trying to think the best way is probably my Instagram. Um, it's uh-huh. Donica Shaw. That's A-D-O-N-I-C-A-S-H-A-W. Mm-hmm. Um, I regularly post, you know, just screen grabs of the articles. And then if there's something that's up that moment or that day, like the link will be up in the profile. Also LinkedIn, okay. but I recognize LinkedIn isn't everybody's jam. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but my Instagram feed is like a little bit of a mix of business and writing and just me just being a millennial lady having fun (laughs) and experiencing new things like it's it's more (laughs) of a mix of things um but if they're looking to connect with me for any professional um opportunities and whatnot it's my website which is adonicashaw.com and there is a um a contact form there that they can fill out if they need me to speak about anything or Mm -hmm. um, set up an interview that kind of a thing Awesome. Thank you so much. Adonica, thank you for being here. It was such a great conversation. Like I loved how it flowed. And like (laughs) I said, I feel like this is all like meant to happen. So I so appreciate you being here. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited that your audience gets to hear this exchange. And um, that's just great that the synchronicities lined up (laughs) and we were able to make it happen. Absolutely. Well, uh, thank you everybody for watching or listening. Uh, you can find uh, this on Apple Podcasts, on iHeartRadio. Um, where else am I? I always forget all these things. Spotify, <laughs> um, YouTube, you'll be able to put a face of the name on YouTube. So check us out. Um, and thank you again for being here. And I look forward to the next time. All right. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Therapy, etc. I hope you were able to gain something new from today's conversation. And if you enjoyed what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend and be sure to provide a review and rating on Apple Podcasts. If you have a topic you would like to learn more about, send a message and follow us on Instagram at therapyetcpodcast. Thank you so much for being here. Take care and be well.